Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, let us first consider our unworthiness and confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought and word and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you and for his sakes. His sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you all of your sin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the
Jesus Christ, you reign among us by the preaching of your cross. Forgive your people their offenses, that we, being governed by your bountiful goodness, may enter at last into your eternal paradise. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for this, the last Sunday of the church year on which we also commemorate Christ the King, is from the prophet Malachi, the third chapter. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord, but you say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? And now we call the arrogant blessed. Evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his sons who serve him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Epistle reading from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians, the first chapter. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. There followed Jesus a great multitude of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, 
daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Together now we confess our holy Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today from the epistle lesson of St. Paul, the first chapter of Colossians, this verse. He, Christ, is before all things and in him all things hold together. This is our text, dear friends in Christ. Doesn't it seem that man is striving forever to hold things together? It doesn't make much difference if it's on a corporate level and we see that we're trying to hold planet Earth together or if it's on a national level and we're trying to hold nations together or if it's on, on an individual level and we're trying to hold our physiques together and our health together, or our homes together, our relationships together, our work together, our emotions together. Man is striving all the time from birth until the time he leaves planet Earth, striving to hold together that which he has. And it seems that so much of life's response is so simple. And it comes back and it says to us, no, you cannot hold it all together. Not as is. Time changes things. Time marches on and people change surroundings change, the world around you changes, and we mortals are, like it or not, subject to and changing with all of the changing things that are ever changing around us. We're unable to hold things together as they were. And how many of us have grandfather or grandmother clocks at home that at the top of them is imprinted that Latin phrase, tempus fugit, Time escapes us, time runs away, time flies, as the old Latin expression goes. And we cannot, as hard as we might try, hold it all together. Humpty Dumpties are we all unable to put the broken pieces back together again. Nothing humanly possible is there, whether it's man himself or the multitude of things that man makes. Nothing that we have made can hold together everything as once it was when it was new. 
Well, we like to think that we can. We like to think that we can make things new again. How often does it go to the, happen that we go to a doctor and the doctor, speaking of a heart condition, says, we're going to take care of this and you're going to be as good as new. Or you go to the dentist and it's going to be as good as new. Or you go to this doctor or that doctor and it's going to be as good as new. Your heart, your back is going to be as good as new. But you know, you know deep down inside that it really isn't quite true. Your heart or your back or your hand or your elbow or your knee, they've had many years of wear. Nothing man does can reverse that process to the point that it's as good as it was when it was new. It might be better than it was a week ago, it might be better than it was a month or two ago, it might be better than it was, but it's not as good as when it was new because you see even new parts are connected to old parts. And the new parts are connected to an old system that's not as good as new. The mechanic takes your car and he lifts it up in the hoist and he makes that rather empty promise, it's going to be as good as new when we're done. They put all kinds of new parts into it, they remove the dents from it. But you know it's still the same old car, repaired to be sure. Perhaps you've been able to retard its wear a little bit or you've been able to delay its falling apart altogether but you haven't been able to hold it together so it's really as good as it was when it was new and you know that and you go and you try to trade it in. Then you know if you ever had any thoughts before that it's not as good as when it was new or you'd be getting a lot more for it than you do. Even man's prime relationships, not just our cars, not just our bodies, but even man's prime relationships seem impossible to hold together. For example, it's a lot easier to knock dents out of an old car than it is to knock dents out of an endangered marriage. And that's why so many marriages are falling apart today. Husbands and wives unable or unwilling to control their own individual desires, doing things, as scripture tells us, out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, the very thing that scripture warns against so often that individuality that sees itself as being the ultimate goal of all things and we do things to please ourselves rather than out of concern for one another and consequently relationships begin falling apart. We begin going in opposite directions. Things aren't like they were between us when we were new or consider the parent-child relationship all too often. It's all too hard for all too many parents to experience the changes that come as children leave home and begin their own homes and we're reluctant to, to let go of what was, even though we know that if we don't go of, let go of what was, then our children will never have what we've had. But we're reluctant to, to let go. We try to hold everything together. And still the reality of it is that time tugs and it finally has its way and we let go. We simply can't hold even the best of things in this life together. And so, to put it a bit poetically, friends come and friends go and babies are born and children grow and old folks die and their loved ones cry and they ask why. Why can't things simply stay the way they are? Why can't we mortals 
do a better job of holding things together. Why must change, as it inevitably occurs around us in our lives, what makes change hurt so? Why does it happen? You know why it does, because simply put, man fell into sin. And ever since man fell into sin, change has been accompanied by great discomfort and ultimately great pain. You know, before the fall of man into sin, before Adam and Eve fell, there was change. It's not that change is new to the world. There was change before Adam and Eve fell. Remember what scripture tells us? There was morning and evening one day. There was morning and evening a second day and a third day and a fourth day. And there was change built into the perfect order of things as God so ordered it. Adam tilled the soil and the soil changed and it brought forth fruit and there was a harvest. There was change, but it was change without pain. And it wasn't until sin came into the picture that God said, now there's change with pain because now cursed is the ground because of you. In toil and in sorrow you shall eat of it, both thorns and thistles shall it bring forth unto you. Change to be sure, but now change with pain. is a consequence of man's own sin. From Adam's side, a tzela in the Hebrew way, rib we think it was something from Adam's side was taken and scripture says and the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib that he had taken from man but you can be sure there was no pain at all in the recovery of Adam after that rib was taken from a side from which woman was made no pain with the change and the change brought great things for Adam change to be sure but painless change only after the fall of man into sin was change accompanied by pain and by discomfort so great that God says to Eve, in pain, you shall bring forth children. Pain with change. And that's the way it's been ever since. And that's the way it will be generation after generation as man wishes that he could hold things together and knows that of himself he cannot. The pain now because of sin in our world, in our lives, that accompanies the change that is inevitable about us. Good friends, the glory and the beauty of our text for today is that it tells us of the one who has the power to take the pain out of our change. It tells us of the one who has the power to take that which is falling apart because of sin in our lives and finally bring it together and hold it together eternally. It says, for in him, in Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, all things were created through him and for him and in him all things hold together. Yet that in him all things hold together. What takes the deep pain out of the changes of our lives and what makes the discomfort that remains for us while we're still here in this time frame still bearable is the confidence of that faith that knows and confesses that our Lord Jesus Christ, who does not change, 
He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who for us then also holds it all together. He's going to lift to new heights. All of us when it seems that things have been brought to new lows. He's going to keep us safe when we feel so vulnerable. He's going to keep us safe when we feel so endangered. He's going to make all things work together for good, Scripture says, to those who love him as he's promised. And the day is coming. And that's what we talk about at the end of the church year as we're celebrating even today with Christ the King Sunday. The day is coming when we're going to hear him say, Behold, I make all things new. And what beautiful words they will be for me and for you. I make all things new. Change without sins accompanying pain. In him all things hold together in this life so that in the life to come all things can be made new. That's the primary work of our Savior. To take our sinful lives when they seem to be falling to pieces and and by his grace and by his work through his word and through his sacraments to hold things together until that day finally comes when he makes all things new. That old body worn out by sin and time but behold now he will say I make it new. Make it new forever. That old mind frayed from years of fretting over this and worrying about that and being diseased from dementia or Alzheimer's or paralyzed by stroke. But behold, now I make it new and I make it vibrant forever. The old friends and the loved ones separated from us so many years ago. But behold, Jesus says, I've held them together even until now. And now behold, I make all things new forever. In that day, that great and glorious day of our Lord's coming, the pain of change will once again be gone forever. As St. John tells us when he gives us the divine scenario of the new heavens and the new earth in the book of Revelation, and he says, God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more crying and no more pain. Why? Because the former things have passed away. You know, it's interesting. St. Paul tells us that on, on earth's last day, the Lord himself, he says, is going to descend from the heavens with a shout, with a command. Haven't you ever asked yourself and wonder what that command of the Lord is going to be? I wonder what that shout of the Lord is going to be on that day when he comes, when heaven opens wide and he comes again, visibly appears among us. What word will be the word? Or what words will be the words that close the old age and begin the new age and open that new age of eternity? I wouldn't be surprised at all that it would be simply two words, simply no more. Just as we heard John say, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, 
for all of these former things have passed away. And then he says it once and for all, behold, I make all things new. So you see, in a very real way, whoever is in Christ is already, as God says, a new creation. How through baptism into Christ so long ago you entered into that eighth day already, into that new day. By baptism into Christ Jesus, you've been made anew. You've been born from above. Born again, as we would say, through water and through the word. You are thereby exempt from the finality of pain that comes with change. To be sure, while we remain here as sinners in this sinful and fallen world, we'll continue to experience the pain of change. We will know the pain of seeing so many things that we love so dearly fall apart around us. But for those in Christ, it's all a temporary pain. It's all a bearable pain for us. It's all an earthly discomfort that we know is going to pass away. It's a malady that we know is going to be mended, a hurt that we know is going to be healed, because we know that he who holds all things together will someday say, and we will hear him say, Behold, I make all things new, and the pain will be taken out of change. Isn't that exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Didn't he in essence there on the cross of Calvary say no more of this stuff? He took the old relationship between man and God fallen to pieces and twisted and distorted and severed and prevented by man's sins and wrecked and ruined by our iniquities and he said no more. And Christ restored us unto God. He reconciled us through the cross and through his own blood unto the Father. And he made it new again. He took the pain of the punishment that was due you and he said no more of it. And he bore it all upon the cross of Calvary in and of himself. He, he took the unending fall of hell's black abyss, which was our eternal fall to take, and he said no more of it. He lifted us up with him so that we in the eternal ages to come might be seated there with him at the right hand of the Father. He took the malady of our roaring madness against God and he said no more of it. And he mended our sinful dispositions and our messed up minds and our cleansed our sin-stained souls so that we might forever be connected with him. And he said to the Father, no more, no more of what's seeks to destroy these people so that the Father might say, I have redeemed you, I have made you mine. Isn't that what God says of you today through the prophet Malachi in the Old Testament? He says, they shall be mine, says the Lord. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, they shall be mine. Do you hear what he calls you? He calls you his treasured possession. What a wonderful thing it is to be called the treasured possession of God. A possession, why? Because he bought you. He said no more to the one who had owned you and who had enslaved you. God purchased you through the blood of his only begotten son. How did he do it today? In the epistle lesson, St. Paul says, He delivered us from the domain of darkness, Satan's domain, because that's where we were and that's who had owned us. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son through whom he reconciled all things unto himself by the blood on the cross. The power 
of the love of God and of the blood of God that on the cross of God, when it seemed that the whole universe was about to fall eternally apart, he was really there in that cross holding all things together. And he still holds everything together by the same power of the same cross. The message of the cross as it's preached and taught, shared with us today, the benefits and blessings of the cross as they come to us by way of word and sacrament as we receive them, that is how God is holding things together in our day. Sadly, the one change that is most needful for all the world is the very change that the world so madly resists. And that is the change that he would bring. That he would bring so that we someday would be able to know and say the change and decay in all around I see, but thou who changest not, abide with me. No more, he will say to the pain of change. Behold, I make all things new. Finally, as an anonymous poet once put it, he said, in Christ we have a love that can never be fathomed, a life that can never die, a righteousness that can never be tarnished, a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed, a joy that can never be diminished, a hope that can never be disappointed, a glory that can never ever be clouded, a light that can never be darkened, a purity that can never be defiled, a beauty that can never be marred, a wisdom that can never be baffled, resources that can never be exhausted, Christ for sickness, Christ for health, Christ for poverty, Christ for wealth, Christ for joy, Christ for sorrow, Christ today, and Christ tomorrow, Christ my life, and Christ my light, Christ for morning, noon, and night, Christ when all around gives way, Christ my everlasting stay. In him all things hold together forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Son, Jesus Christ, our King, shall return in all his splendor and glory to judge both the living and the dead. At the close of this church year, and while we yet await his return, receive our thanks and praise for another year of grace. While we wait, lift up the eyes of all your chosen people in hopeful anticipation of the day of the coming of your Son. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you, gracious God, for the holy faith you have given to us. May this precious gift sustain us now and in all times of trial and temptation and testing, knowing that a place of glory awaits those who wait with joy for the reappearing of him who ascended on high. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O God, you have commanded us diligently to watch for the return of your Son. We ask you to keep your children everywhere watchful. Because we so easily grow weary as members of your church militant, forgive us and strengthen us by your precious word and sacraments to remain faithful and ever watchful. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Christ Jesus, in whom all things do hold together, as the end draws closer, preserve order in the governments of the world and grant to all nations leaders who strive to serve the common good. Bless the leaders of our own land with wisdom and compassion, humility, and an eagerness to ensure justice. Defend the soldiers, police officers, and firefighters who protect us. May we be citizens who, in accord with your word, submit to the governing authorities and endeavor to live peaceable and godly lives. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord of the harvest, look with favor on all who are in need. Fill the hungry with good things. Give the poor and unemployed gainful employment. Heal the sick and recovering, including Marguerite Helt and Paul Duell, Chris Heinz and Dennis Heinz, Ellie Becker, Dick, and Elsie Much. Bless those who prepare for surgery, including Chandra Romero, daughter of Kathy Wilhelms and granddaughter of Ralph Wilhelms, who undergoes procedures this week. Be also with Samuel Vasquez, father of Rachel Bestel and Stephanie Bestel, who prepares for treatment and surgery. Comfort those who mourn or who recall in this festive season loved ones who have gone before. And watch over all who travel. Be near the dying. Give courage to those who suffer oppression and want. Defend all orphans and widows. And protect the weak, the unborn, and the aged. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Christ Jesus, our most exalted King, and yet our brother in the flesh, as we prepare for the season of Advent in which we com contemplate the dawn of your first coming, humble our hearts that we might be impressed anew that you would humble yourself unto death for our sakes, that peace might be made with God by the blood of your cross. Let us then with all the faithful in reverent awe await the dawn of our glorious tomorrow, when you, our King and our brother, return to welcome us into the kingdom of your Father, prepared for us from all eternity. 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Blessed Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us, for you live and together you reign, one God, now and throughout eternal ages to come. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, giver and perfecter of our faith, we thank and praise you for continuing among us the preaching of your gospel for our instruction and edification. Send your blessing upon the word which has been spoken to us, and by your Holy Spirit increase our saving knowledge of you, that day by day we may be strengthened in the divine truth and remain steadfast in your grace. Give us strength to fight the good fight, and by faith to overcome all the temptations of Satan, the flesh, and the world, so that we may finally receive the salvation of our souls. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.